Legends, welcome to the Gym Boss Podcast. Today is different. It's not solo episode. We've got actually a special guest. Uh, his name is Corey Angelin. He's coming all the way from the States. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's coming all the way from the States. Um, and to give you a bit of a, a brief intro, uh, he used to be the performance director for F45 for Australia, America, pretty much globally, uh, and is now the chief ops officer for Volo Fit. And for those of you guys that don't know what Volo Fit, it's a new concept uh, brought to the market by Tough Mudder, which is pretty cool, but it's a premium boutique studio fitness offering. Um, and uh, what we want to talk about specifically today, which I believe Corey is uh, an expert on, is the client onboarding experience and overall client experience, and then the wave of the future of like technology and everything else that uh, for boutique fitness studios and even big box um, gyms as well. So Corey, thanks so much, mate. Thanks for coming on. That is one hell of an introduction, Jimmy. Uh, you are spot on, and I've been called a lot worse than special guest. So, uh, <laughs> so I appreciate the the lovely intro, and I'm always happy, uh, even though I'm around uh, half the the world from you in New York. Uh, always happy to join you because I love what you do. Love it, mate. I've just literally finished up watching The Sopranos, so I know that's not New York; it's like Newark, <laughs> but off there. So I love the accent. I'm in. Um, but thanks, uh, man. Uh, so I'll leave it over to you, man. Like, obviously we're talking about on um, the client onboarding, but first, cause VoloFit is a brand new concept. And I think it'd be yep. really cool to explain what that's all about, what you guys are doing as a brand and for more importantly, then transition on like, what are you doing for the clients? Yeah. I mean, you probably, you know, this, Jimmy, you've been in the game for a long time. It, you know, the first part of my career, I, I would say the first 15, 20 years, it was all big box gyms, premium brands. Like I, I've been a consultant for some of the top brands in the world, the Equinoxes, the 24-hour fitnesses, um, Lifetime Athletic. I mean, talking 300,000 square foot buildings with 45 trainers on staff and your budgets are 300,000 bucks a month, right? But that's a grind. And, you know, over the course of a couple of decades, when you're in that game, I think probably five, six, seven years ago, I started to see really how boutique fitness what they were doing really well. And I started to understand why people were also leaving big box gyms. I mean, if you think about why some of the reasons people leave big box gyms, what for me, it's always about lack of motivation and lack of results. Like no one, Jimmy, has ever come up to me and said, man, I go to this big box gym. I'm getting an unbelievable amount of results. I look the best I've ever looked, uh, but I'm going to quit the gym. <laughs> it just doesn't have it. Uh, and so I started to see really what boutique was doing in that space, which was really providing just much more of a community. And so if you think about boutique fitness, it's, it's all about the vibe. You walk in and you feel something different because it's a smaller footprint, right? It's not a 15,000 square foot building. Usually we're talking about a two to 3,000 square foot studio. So you're able to do a lot more for the member. And that means everything from the music to the lighting, to the layout, the equipment, right? And so and then it's the people. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So my journey last couple of years into boutique fitness, first with that 45, and then obviously now um, VoloFit. And, and really, that, that was the attraction to boutique, you know, at, at first, um, was really community feel and just how you feel when you walked in. Yeah, I love it, man. Because uh, that's where most people listening to this fall into is that boutique um, that boutique studio, whether it be 
from martial arts all the way up to CrossFit or anything, all of those would still fall under your category of boutique because they, um, they're charging a, a premium, whether it be like, you know, in the States, it's roughly like 200 a month. It's kind of like the ballpark where for like the group training, group fitness yep. stuff, and if not a bit more. Um, and, uh, and it is about that culture, that community. It's about um, not having... 2000 members it's about having like 200 or 300 and doing it exactly. really well yeah yeah you're spot on i mean and and you know you touched upon something real quick before which was the premium price to me i always think about in the last couple of years i've always talked about what i think are great brands and always try not to talk about fitness brands when i'm doing an analogy because it's like it's so easy to talk about fitness brands because we're in fitness when you think of outside of fitness, I always think of Disney. I think of Starbucks. I think of um, Nike. Yeah, to me, when you think about what those brands do differently than everyone else, two things come to mind. Number one, they absolutely believe in their product, right? Like first and foremost. And because they believe in their product, Jimmy, they charge a premium price, right? It's not that they just charge the premium price. They charge because they actually believe in it. And you think about sales and marketing, it's really hard to sell something when you don't really believe it. We all know that. Let's be honest, right? Like you can fake it, right? But at the end of the day, when you've been around the game for a long time in fitness, it's a lot easier to sell something when you truly believe it. And so there's a story I used to tell about Starbucks and my friends are always sick of me telling this story, but it's true. <laughs> you have a Starbucks over there in Australia, I'm assuming, right, Jimmy? Of course, yeah. All right, good. Um, and so for me, every day, no matter where I'm at, even if I'm traveling, I try to go to a Starbucks twice a day. The funny part to that is, is I buy a $2.75 cup of coffee. It's pretty expensive for just coffee, but I don't even like the coffee. And so some people go, well, Corey, why do you go to Starbucks then? twice a day. And I go, it's because of the experience. And when I started to think about that experience, I started to think about, hey, this is why, especially in boutique fitness, what separates great studios from studios that underperform is they provide an absolutely kick-ass onboarding experience for that member. Because at Starbucks, for me, when I walk in, I see people sitting down doing stuff. And when you think about that from a high level overview is they're getting stuff done in their lives. People go on dates there. They do job interviews there. They post stuff on social media. They go through their phone, whatever. You then get online and you speak a different language. I speak Italian and Spanish. And by the way, Jimmy, I've never taken an Italian and Spanish class before, but I say things at Starbucks like venti macchiata in Grande Pike. We even call the people there baristas. What a cool ass name baristas are, right? And so what I tried to take with me throughout my career, especially the second half of my career, heading into boutique studios and trying to work on their performance is that you have to, from the minute a lead calls in, from the minute they call in, um, you have to provide a great experience. And so we could tick through what that means once the lead calls in. But that's what I think about when we talk about premium price. It's that they believe in the product, so they charge a premium price and they provide a kick-ass experience. Yeah, I agree 100% because even if you take results out of the equation of like uh, losing weight, building muscle, whatever it may be, um, the number one thing that is different from a big box to a boutique group training facility, whatever you want to call yourself is yep. customer service and the customer experience. Because if you treat them like shit, there's 
50 other people within your local area, 50 other fitness options that will treat them right. And You're if so you right. do, and if you do treat them right, have a great experience, have a great culture and community. And if they still aren't getting great results, they'll still stay. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> this brings me back to my time at 24 hour fitness. So 24 hour fitness in the U S at one time, I, they still might be, was the largest gym chain in America. It was like 430 clubs at the time, uh, pre-COVID specifically. And I remember I was a regional director there and they flew us in my first week in the role. This is going back a bunch of years. And they said, Corey, we, wanna, we want you to create the, the sales process, the tour for when someone comes in. And so I always used to think about what a big box gym tour was. It's, it's the dreaded museum tour, yes. which is like, I'm Jimmy walks in, I'm going to show Jimmy everything in this gym and just walk you all around. Now that sounds normal, but the problem with that is, is Jimmy isn't going to use every part of the gym. In fact, most people only use two areas of the gym. For me, it's cardio and the weights. Like that's yeah, it. Mate, I'm just right? doing bicep curls. That's it. There just you give go. Me a so just the weights, <laughs> right? And so we, we literally made one change. This is the only change we made. When someone walked into the front desk and they were new, um, you know, uh, all we said was this. We said, Jimmy, what one area of the gym do you want to see today? And what would you say to me? Weights. Exactly. Preach a curl machine, you'd say, right? Yeah. Great. Yeah. I'm going to take you now over there. And what that does is it puts you in such a better mindset because you know what's happening when I just take you on a random tour is you're thinking I'm going to try to sell you at some point. And that's what goes through everyone's mind. That's a defense mechanism when we talk about sales, right? No one wants to be sold. And so when you translate that to boutique fitness, you're exactly right. It's so much better of an opportunity, I think, in my career to provide everything that goes into that. And it starts with, for me, doing a great needs analysis. A needs analysis is something that I don't know why, but trainers do it well. We, we study how to do a needs analysis. A needs analysis is when you're asking what I call powerful questions about a person's goal. Because frankly, a goal is the only reason why someone's joining a gym, right? Yes. Like, it, like whether they want to lose weight to your point or gain muscle or get ready for a wedding, whatever it is. But time and time again in my career, when I've role-played with an owner or a GM and I would fake call up and go, hey, uh, just want to know about pricing. There was no attempt to really ask anything about me, right? It was all about, it was all about them, how great their studio is and how unbelievable the price promotion is that day. Nothing about why, like why I would want to join in the first place. And so to me, a great onboarding experience, whether it's on the phone or in person, really starts with talking to a, a, a potential member or a lead about what's their goal? Why is it their goal? Most importantly, right? Um, what have they done in the past to achieve that goal? Uh, what's their strategy moving forward? And then it's all about layering in powerful questions. Powerful questions, Jamie, are my favorites to ask because they can do a couple of things. Number one, they could overcome objections before they even happen. So instead of, you know, later on hearing when you ask for a membership, someone saying, well, I got to talk to my spouse, they make all the decisions. Well, if you did a great job in, in the upfront in the conversation, when you first met the person, you could have asked a powerful question like, hey, anyone support you in your goal of losing 10 pounds? And they might say, yeah, my wife. Great. What's your wife's name? Julia. Awesome. Right. And so 
and doing an effective needs analysis can, can have that effect early on with that lead. And it also does a great job of building rapport with that person. And so if you can start off the relationship, Jimmy, in the beginning, building that rapport and that trust, then everything else you do afterwards becomes a lot easier. Yep. Mate, you're preaching to the choir. All the stuff that you're saying, <laughs> I am just like inside my head. I'm going, yep, tick, 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 <laughs> yes. And um, there is, there's been a, many a podcast episode where I've spoke about this, but there's one within the last, say, six months where we talk about the seven W's of sales. And it's all about asking the prospect about themselves, which is exactly what you're talking about. Like, why are you here? What, like, what, tell me where you're at right now. What's your current mm -hmm. status? Like, what's going on in your life? Where do you want to be? You know, and all of these other things, like what's been stopping you? What do you think? It, why do you think you can't do this on your own? Like, what, do you, what are you looking for today? Like, what, can, what do you feel like we can help you with? All of that stuff is not about us, not about the gym, not about the fancy cardio equipment or the cool barbells you've got or the whatever it may be. It's just having a cool conversation with a person. And so they feel understood. That's what it's all about, isn't it? And that's... That's the transformation I made the last, I'd probably say, decade in my career. You know, early on at Lifetime, which is a, a huge big box sham, it's like a country club without the golf course. I remember I had probably 43 trainers on staff. I was a department head. And I was doing about $23,000 a month in sales. I was the leading salesperson in Lifetime in the entire country. And I would walk around like I was, you know, the best God's gift to sales in fitness. The problem was, is that my average trainer was doing about $2,000. And so what I realized is that not everyone is great at sales. And so, and also, you know, trainers specifically are even a little nervous or anxious to even talk about sales. Trainers are great at training. What they don't mm -hmm. enjoy is selling. But it's not about selling. It's literally about just having that conversation with the person, getting to know them. And but, but to your point, even to take it a step further, it has to also be active listening. Yeah, active listening is like, you know, you know what I mean. And and the the great example of this is the average salesperson, whether they're a trainer or a sales associate or a GM, we're all salespeople at some level. When you're asking a question to a lead. The average salesperson, when the person's answering their question, is already starting to think of another question. And the reason why, as you know this, is because they're anxious and they're nervous. They're trying to, in the back of their mind, they're trying to make a sale. But, but they're sort of half-assing trying to get to know the person too. And so this revolving circle goes on and on and on. I ask you a question, you're answering, great. I'm already thinking of another question, and I'm never truly in the present. And the reason why I love what you said about the seven W's and really getting to know someone is you don't have to talk about anything about your fitness studio yet. Like is, you don't, the person called you nine times out of 10, they saw a great ad, right? And so they, it led them to, for whatever reason, to take action, to email you, call you, show up in person. And so just ask a bunch of questions about them. And that's the fascinating part the last 10 years when I, and because role play to me, is so underutilized in our business. Role play is my favorite thing to do. Number one, I love putting people on the spot because they get so nervous. And it's like, what are you nervous about? It's just like role play. Let's go. And just talking. But it's it's fascinating. It's just talking. But it's fascinating yeah. how fast it takes them to start talking about them in their studio 
as opposed to asking me any questions about myself. And it happens over and over and over again. So I, I love what you said about seven, seven W's. Yeah. And um, I think uh, if you're, a, if you gym owner, because most people listening to this are the gym owners. Um, and if you have coaches or staff that you want to, because you don't always want to be the person selling because you can never go on a holiday. <laughs> so you need to train exactly. up your guys. <laughs> you need to train up your team to do it. So your business can still continue to operate while you're, even if you're taking a week or two off. Um, and so to train your team up, a lot of people might say, I'm not a salesperson. Cool. Well, do you like helping people? And they say, yeah. Well, call this like you're a helping people person. <laughs> and that's all the that's all the conversation is is like, hey, can I just find out to see if this is even going to be the right thing for you, or so I can find out what is the best thing for you. That's what all it is, and then just showing them the thing that you have that is best suited for them. Because if it's yeah, we used to we used to call yeah. that twenty four hour fitness and something where we've instituted at Volafit now, which is we call it sharpen the saw. So so what I always like to tell people is you have to create what I call a highly effective schedule, something that in the fitness industry is very hard to do because we are overworked my whole life, like a 10 hour day. That's like easy, right? Yeah. Close out. Oh my God. I'm there for what? 14, 15 hours a day, the dreaded last three days of every month. And you don't create this work-life balance. So the thing I like about boutique fitness, because there's a lot less members, right? And the footprint is a lot smaller is you could work on a better work-life balance. And that's start that starts out with putting together, well, again, highly effective schedule. Within that schedule, daily, we do sharpen the saw. Sharpen the saw means 15, 30 minutes with your staff, pick a subject, maybe it's overcoming objections for that day, and you're just role playing. Someone says, I want to think about it. Great, Jimmy. What do you say to someone that says, I want to think about it? And they might not be able to answer, but that's why you're doing it with them to coach them up. Coaching someone up is something I learned. Um, the last 10 years, it, it's the most motivating thing to me. Whereas back in the day at Lifetime and that story I told you, although I was doing great, my staff was horrible. And it was because I wasn't putting the time in to coach them up. And so I always vowed that anything I did from that point on, it would always be about role-playing, coaching up our staff, and in turn, providing a better experience for the member. Yeah, I love that because that's cool because you as an individual were crushing it. But then you said that your guys underneath you did an assessment. You're like, they're doing like a 10th of what you were doing each month. Yeah. And so, which is pretty insane, but it's probably pretty normal for a lot of gym owners. The owner can do it really well. And then maybe their coaches have dabbled at it and, you know, whatever. And um, I did a podcast episode, Jack, if you're listening, I did it with Jack. He's a gym owner here in Australia. And he said something pretty powerful and it was, um, I'm butchering it, but it was something along the lines of the more I help people win, the bigger scale that I'll win on. And I was like, wow, like that was like a really profound when he said it, because you as an individual can, yes, you can chip away and, and crush it, but that's just you. What happens if you're sick? What happens if you take a week off? Then you're the business, exactly right. That's, so first yeah. of all, that's spoken like a true owner. So I love, love that quote from him. Yeah. I have a profound saying. I always live by similarly, but I didn't come up with it. The, the famous science cynic who's wrote my favorite book, which is called Start With The Why. But the famous saying he always says that I always quote is people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And that, that's always stuck with me too. And so if your staff doesn't understand why they're selling what they're selling or doing what they're doing, well, then you're failing as the owner. 
or a GM, right? Depending upon how much time you're spending in the studio. And so, yeah, that's the biggest thing because, and I mean, again, to, to that, to that quotes point, I mean, how many times have I tried to sell something to someone um, like personal training, for example, back my big box days and wanting to pass them off on one of my staff members, but because they had such a great relationship with me, they only want to train with me. And so you, you, you battle that, you know, you obviously the GM, the director, the owner, they are in that position because they worked their ass off probably their whole life to get there. And so of course they have a better skill set. The key is, is how do you coach that skill set? to your team members. And that's really what most GMs need to learn because, you know, I, I remember again, uh, uh, here's a New Jersey Sopranos reference right here. Back at Lifetime, I'm in New York. I live in New York um, and I'm going back 10 years. As a department head, they promoted me. So they say, Corey, this weekend, you're going to go to Jersey and you're going to go to a course that we do, which is called the story of coaching. I'm like the story of, first of all, New Jersey, no one wants to go to New Jersey if you live in New York, first and foremost, right? Yeah. That's like an insult. No offense to my Jersey friends. That's number one. Number two, it's like, what are you going to teach me the story of coaching? And it was the most profound weekend I've ever had. It was really how to coach up your team, a skill set that I never had. I went to school for sports medicine and exercise phys. No, I, I had never had a course that said, here's how you coach a team member up. Right. My courses were biomechanics and how you wrap, wrap an ankle for soccer. Um, and so but it was really cool. And that stuck with me my whole life. So whenever I do one on one with a GM, I'm always tapping into teaching them. Are you effectively coaching up your staff? Because when you go away on vacation, to your point, your <laughs> that salesperson has the fate of the studio in their hands for that week. Yes, true. So. Um, for. People listening, they're like, this is cool. Okay, yeah, I'm the owner. I can sell. I can do well. All of this is sounding great. And maybe they've said the common things of like, oh, my guys just don't want to sell. They can't do it as good as I can, like what you were saying, whatever. What's some actual tactical, practical things that you would say to somebody like that, that they can, listening in now, they can grab and then start to implement? So first, I think, most people need a skill set to overcome objections because if you, if you reverse engineer the sales process, we could talk about how do you sell effectively? How do you ask for the sale? All of that's important. And there are ways to do that. If you don't have the skill set though to overcome an objection, then the person that's trying to overcome the objection will never feel comfortable with themselves. And we're probably talking about the average trainer or sales associate, someone that doesn't have as much of a skill set to your point as an owner or a GM. And so I think it always starts there because you hear no more than yes. So just by the right, you even the best salespeople, I mean, our closing percentages are usually about, if you talk about a lead to a trial, so getting someone from the time they see uh, one of your ads to the time that you try and get them into your free trial, I have pretty high standards, 60%. Like that's pretty, you know, 60%, I feel we can get into a trial. That goes down now once they're in the trial from trial to a new member, because it's harder to sell when something costs money, right? And so just by the law of averages, you, you will hear no more than yes. So if you take that into consideration, you need a skill set. For me, and I'm sure you probably have, have gone over this a million times in other forms. For me, it starts with teaching your team how to overcome an objection. For me, it's three easy steps. Number one, we show empathy because I feel like 
Like we, we don't do a great job of that in, in fitness. In the old days, the old me, the 21-year-old version of Corey, if you told me you had to talk to your wife, I would literally pull out my phone and go, great, do you want to call her up right now? And I was like, that, that sounded great to me, but probably really insulting to someone sitting across the desk <laughs> and trying to sell a membership to right? So, so from this point on, whenever someone says, I, I just, I don't, I want to think about it. I want to talk to my spouse. I want to shop around. Whatever it is, it's, I understand. Those should be the first two words out of any owner, GM, sales associate, or coach's mouth. Second step is to isolate the objection. Again, all things that you probably know, but I'll throw it out there anyway. For me, it's getting the person to say that it's the money. Because let's be honest, no matter what objection someone gives, what always I find fascinating is we sort of isolate these different objections. Like we actually believe someone has to think about it, or we actually believe that someone wants to talk to their spouse. I would, I would argue with that person though, if the membership was free, would you ever hear an objection? Like if, if I told you, Jimmy, you just told me you want to talk to your wife. That's your objection. But I said, Hey, Jimmy, the membership's free. I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you that. Do you think you would still have to talk to your wife about joining if it was free? I'm going to no. throw a spanner in the works and say, maybe because <laughs> of scheduling. If you've got kids, oh, fair, right? Fair point. Right. So that's a good point. But that's so, where it goes back to your point of isolating. Is it money or is it scheduling or is it something else? So there you go. And the way I teach it, because you, you hit the nail on the head is I give two options. I go, so Jimmy, is it something to do with the price of the membership that I just told you about? Or was it something else? And so to your point, that's literally what I do when I talk about isolate. And then finally, the third step is you talk about the solution. So if it's scheduling, I might, I might try and, and, and sway you toward a different membership that is not an unlimited membership, for example. It might be something where you're able to come in once a week until you get acclimated to your schedule or whatever it is. So for me, it's about teaching your staff members three simple steps, empathy, um, uh, obviously isolate the problem and then find the solution. It starts there. The only other thing I would add to that, Jimmy, if it's ta we're talking about best practices to teach your staff is... It's also an art form in, turn, in terms of talking about how do you ask for the sale to begin with? And mm. so I always reverse engineer and talk about overcoming because we hear no more. But for me, if you're not giving reasons why you're making a recommendation, then, and we, so we call this prescription-based selling, you're the expert who recommend um, a membership, right? So if I spent all this time on a great needs analysis, asking Jimmy all the great questions about why he wants to join a gym, what his goal is, all those questions we talked about earlier. Well, then I, I'm an expert. I can make a recommendation of what I think you should buy in my studio. The only caveat is, is I would attach it to the reason why I'm recommending it. So it would sound something like this. So Jimmy, after hearing uh, your goals of losing 10 pounds, because you're getting married in six months, um, and that you're super motivated now, especially in the new year. What I would recommend is our unlimited membership, but I want to give you a reason why. The reason why I would recommend that is it's the fastest way to reach your goal. And the reason why is you could come in as many times as you want. Uh, so it's the fastest track to get to that weight loss goal of losing 10 pounds. Does that make sense? And so I'm attaching, I'm bringing back to the forefront your fitness goals. Because like we said 10 minutes ago, the most important reason why someone joins a studio or a big box gym is because they're trying to reach a goal. So why not use that goal as many times as possible? And I think we fail to do that a lot. We just pitch the membership, 
but I would encourage the teacher staff to always attach both to it. Yeah, that's spot on. And I think um, like what you were talking about at the very start when you're doing the gym tours and you would ask, hey, what part do you want to see? The same thing applies when you're pitching the membership, which membership option. You don't have to explain everything that's included with the membership, just the things that that person might be interested in, which is if they said, look, I just want to do, uh, I want to build strength. Cool. You talk about the strength classes and how it's periodized programming and how you've got the one of the best strength coaches there and blah, 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 blah. You don't need to talk about all the cardio stuff, all the nutrition, all of that, if you offer that. You can just go, look, this is what it is. And then ask them, go, hey, does that sound like something that you've been looking for? And they might go, yeah, that sounds exactly it. And you go, great. Well, here's the options you can choose from. You can have unlimited or what or whatever. And then go into like what you just said. The former me, again, back in my 20s and 30s, if I, if I reflect back on that time, I, it was cringeworthy. I mean, I remember, right, pulling, and this still goes on now, but I remember pulling out the menu of membership options like hey jimmy seven options here which one do you want to do and it's like why am i giving you so many things to think about to me i, I always use this quote sales to me is is all about making it as easy as possible for someone to say yes and so i just give you what you're looking for now it's easy because i've already asked you the questions what you're looking for and why and so to your point earlier, and I think the overarching picture here is, is the owner and the GMs usually do it well, but why is there usually trouble when we talk about the salesperson trying to do it or your average sales associate? And it's because they just don't think that way. They have pressure from the owner and the GM, let's be honest, right? Just to sell, that's why they're there. And so a lot of things go, in their, go through their mind, but if the owner and the GMs could teach them some of, the, some of the things we're talking about now, give people what they want, ask powerful questions, give them a skill set to ask for a sale and overcome objections, you will be better than you, you are now. And my last point to that is we don't need salespeople to close at 100%. It never will happen, ever, no. right? Even the best salespeople. But if you're a 20% closer and we coach you up to be a 40% closer, you just doubled the profit for the studio. And so it's just about where you're at now. Can you get better? That's it. That's what it's about. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that's, um, I think that's awesome. Is there anything else that you wanted to add on to the client onboarding experience before we start talking about, because um, I'm keen to hear a bit more about Volo Fit and also the wave of the future of Boutique Studios. Yeah. Um, but is there anything in terms of the onboarding experience that you would like to share before we move on? Yeah, I think the, the last quick point I would make is that we spend a lot of time and we just talked a lot about new member acquisition, getting new members. Don't forget about your existing members. And, and I think where we fail generally in fitness, and this is probably more of my big box experience, is that we, we sign the member up, we do all that work, and then we forget about it. And, and we think they're going to stay forever. One of the great things about boutique fitness, what we do in terms of retention is we not only do a seven-day check-in, because a seven-day check-in is great, but it's not the end-all be-all. I mean, the, the member's probably still pumped up in seven days, but we do a 30- and 60-day check-in. That's the key. If you can have your coaches, because they have the best rapport with, with, with the members, um, have them check in with, with new members every 30 or 60 days, man, you're, you're, you're going to retain members for a longer period of time. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, seven-day, 
I'm just making notes here. 30 day and the 60 day check-ins. Yeah. Cool. Um, so let's move on now. Volo Fit. Tell us a little bit like what's the concept? How does it all work? And um, yeah, fill us in on that. Yeah, well, I mean, I told you a little bit about what attracted me to Boutique Fitness, what really attracted me to VoloFit, because my my experience, my past experience at F45 was unbelievable. I mean, one of the premier um, studios in the world, uh, it was really tough to leave. And I left because it gave me the opportunity to put a little bit more of a footprint on an up-and-coming brand. And so obviously, most people have heard of Tough Mudder, and certainly I have. But really, what I learned Tough Mudder was doing was Tough Mudder Bootcamp Studios were really elevating themselves into a little bit more of a premium brand. When I, what I mean by premium brand, it just means the look and the feel of the studio to me is second to none. It is, um, we spend a lot of money on the lighting, the layout, the feel, the sound, all of those things are heightened senses for the average person, right? And then remember the boutique fitness member pays attention to all that, specifically millennials and Gen Zers. That's our primary demo, right? For boutique fitness, the 18, the 47 year old, somewhere in there. So that was the first thing that attracted me, but technology. And, you know, I mean, you listen, you could look at any 2020, 2021, 2022 statistic on what are the top trends in fitness? And you'll always see hit training uh, and technology. The technology we use is really, really cool. It changes every single day. We're able to program it on the fly. Um, if you walked into a VoloFit studio, you would see monitors on the wall with the, with the actual exercises for those stations. And so as a former coach and trainer myself, there's something to be said that when you're at a station and you're doing an exercise and you can visually see how to do the exercise on the screen, that is really great in terms of cueing the, the member because it allows the coach to not have to spend all their time teaching the, the form and technique. They could be, they could do what they do best, which is motivate the member. And so in the old days, right, Jimmy, you'd be doing a squat. I'd come over. I'd be like, oh my God, under my breath. I'd be like, this is horrible. That, that's like horrible form. Certainly not you, Jimmy, but hypothetically speaking. And so I would correct you. But what happens is when I walk away, you're probably going to fall back into that bad technique. And so I just love that aspect of our technology. And then our head of fitness um, what really sealed the de deal for me coming over uh, to VolaFit was uh, a woman by the name of Caitlin Donato. She was one of the original programmers for Orange Theory Fitness, certainly another big brand in the, in the fitness industry. In fact, her, her, um, her exercise and her likeness is still on their monitors. So when you walk into an Orange Theory, some of the exercises you see on the screens is still Caitlin. Um, and so when I knew that she was doing our programming, I said, it's something special that I got to come over to. And really now I'm able to really focus on what that member experience is like crafted in such a way where I can use my 30 years experience to provide the best member experience uh, possible. That's cool. And um, I'm sure some people uh, listening, and I know I'm curious to ask as well, is everyone knows what Tough Mudder is. And if you don't, it's the outdoor obstacle course, right? There's other variations of that, Spartan race, et cetera. But yep. I believe Tough Mudder was the first in the original and probably the ones that do it the best. Um, they've got the biggest following of it. And that's like, if you've seen it, everyone getting all muddy and there's all different other versions of it, but there's big rope walls to climb, yep. climbing under, uh, you know, crawling on all fours in the mud. Is there anything like that in the studio where it prepares you for the Tough Mudder races? Yeah, well, what's cool is the affiliation we have with Tough Mudder, and you bring up a great point, is 
we have Tough Mudder events still around the country. And so marketing wise, which is right up your alley, we have the ability to cross promote. And so the entire Tough Mudder community sees what we're doing and our community sees what Tough Mudder is doing. So we actually have quarterly trainings throughout the country, um, specifically here in the US, where, yeah, you can come to a VoloFit on a special membership price and train for a Tough Mudder because it is functional training, 50 minute hit training. So we don't have mud and stuff or electrocution obstacles um, in, inside our studios. Um, it's more of circuit training, interval training and hit training, but it certainly will prepare you for what you're going to experience when you're doing an outdoor obstacle course. And the last point is, yeah, it's interesting. Spartan actually bought Tough Mudder. So we actually have affiliations with both, which is really- Oh, cool. there you go. So yeah. um, I didn't think there would be mud or anything in the gym. Uh, that would that been... might be, I might talk to Caitlin about that. <laughs> Maybe a one-off, uh, but- um... Is there anything that's like obstacle-esque that prepares you for obstacles? Or is it more like, hit, like you know, your functional training inside? Like there's no like rings or rope walls or rope climbs or anything like that that's in Volo Fit? Yeah, we have an aspect to that. So we, we base everything. And again, to me, I, it's funny. I've become much more philosophical in my, my second half of my fitness career. Meaning like, I don't think about sales. I think about the philosophy of sales. Like what goes through a member's mind when we talk about all the things we've talked about before, the same thing goes into like value proposition or like, what do we hang our hat on? Right? So when I came to VoloFit, really it's about four different pillars uh, that we talk about endurance, strength, power, and agility. So, you know, uh, God, I could sit here and go, we have over a million workouts, which we, we do at some level, but that doesn't mean anything for the average person. But what I could tell you is at any given workout on any given day, you're getting some form of endurance, strength, power, and agility in, incorporated into your workout. So that encompasses the full gamut of stuff. We'll build that out even more as we grow as a portfolio, but we really wrap that around those four pillars. I love it. I love it. So what are the four pillars again? I want to take notes of that. Endurance power, strength, and agility. Four of my favorite things to do when we talk about fitness. Agility. I like that because um, none of that is like lose weight. Exactly. And <laughs> I can tell you for about a year, we, we struggled with value prop propositions. Like, you know, we pulled up all of our competitors and, and I, you know, I've been around the game long enough to, to know a lot of these companies have a lot of uh, uh, friends that work for a lot of the different big box gyms and boutique studios still. And you've seen it all. I mean, there's like, you can't get, I mean, everyone's heard of everything where there's no magic sentence that's going to capture someone's attention. But for Caitlin and me, we're coaches by trade. And so I do think that helps coming to a brand is that we've been in these positions before as coaches and trainers, we've lived that aspect of it. And there's something to be said for being in that position because, yeah, it's not about losing weight, right? I mean, that might be your goal. I could tell you that, like, that's not what I would tell you on how we're going to, like, great, your goal is to lose weight. The way we're going to get there, though, is through a combination of things, one of which is always shocking your system. And for us, it's incorporating those four pillars. So that's how I, I go about talking to people now about that, that sort of elevator pitch. Um because yeah, who wants to hear like, yeah, I get it, lose weight, it's catchy, but like, how do you how are you gonna go about doing that? No, I know. And you know what? I do think uh 
with the agency that we have and I've noticed what's evolved over the years and what's becoming and you will have your finger on the pulse as well of what's happening happening in general in the fitness market is there is this push more to like wellness and health <laughs> versus weight loss because the weight loss was like you know 90s 2000s even up to just recently but I would say there's a lot more people that are like, oh, I want to get strong. I want to get healthy. I want to get fit. Even for me, this was the very first year I've written in my uh, in one of my goals for the year is athletic. Like I want to be athletic. And that is everything you've just outlined in your four pillars there. It's not about like, sure, a byproduct of being athletic will mean that you are leaner. You've got more muscle and stuff like that. But that's not the prime objective prime objective because i'm getting close to 40 you can probably tell with the grays in the beard i want to feel like strong and stuff and over the christmas break you know let let my hair down a little bit and it helps you like reassess about what you want to do and um i think just having those things about you being able to say that you're powerful strong you know agile and have got like your fitness up for endurance stuff all of that is just you you're a winner you're winning in life if you've got all those Two things. Number one, all Aussies I know have beards for some reason. So I do, <laughs> you like ready for an outdoor obstacle course. Number two, I, here's a great analogy that you will probably love because it drives home the point of, yeah, the result is to lose weight. When I think of marketing, uh, it's funny. I, you know, when COVID hit and I was with F45, you know, we were forced to do a lot of organic posting or a lot of organic marketing, right? We're worried about budgets, stuff like that. And owners did a great job, but it's funny how in the beginning, the first line you would see in an advertising would be like, do you want to lose weight? And what I always used to think about, I'm like, that's really should be the result. But you know, like what, what's, so what's your main objective? And then how do you lead back to have, you know, wanting to say, well, the byproduct of that is you can live your best life or you can lose weight or you can gain muscle or whatever. And so it's funny because I always think in those terms, like to your point, like, yeah, wh what do we want to say first that's of substance and then how does that lead back to you as the solution and what form does that take? And so, yeah, it always strikes a chord with me when you, you know, because I think you hit the comes to that. And, and by the way, m marketing right now is, uh, I'm sure- you've had to figure out some different things post COVID or, you know, still kind of in COVID, but not, not as bad as two years ago when it comes to, you know, and a question for you, like what do owners, what's the biggest thing you encounter with owners when they're trying to promote their brand, given the times we're in now? Um, well, I'll tell you what's working in terms of messaging and in ad campaigns and a lot of this, regardless if you're a yoga and Pilates studio or you're an F45 or a CrossFit box, martial arts, anything like that, one, the number one thing that we've uh, seen is building healthy habits. Hmm. Because if you were locked down, everything stopped. So it's about building healthy habits, active lifestyle. That's the two, because it, we've had almost zero of that at certain periods of time, no matter where you are in the world. So those are the two biggest things. And then... Cheekily in our marketing, marketing, we we will typically say, depending on the campaign, and of course, you'll get the obvious stuff too: dropping a few kilos, dropping a few pounds, exactly. you know, dropping a dress size. So we still pepper that in there, but we don't lead with exactly. that. We lead, we lead with the health benefits and stuff like that. 
And that's that's the point I was trying to make. You put it a lot more eloquently than I did, which is, yeah, you always sprinkle that. Those are always buzzwords. We always want to talk about that because frankly, that's important to most people too, but, but you don't lead with it. And that's the point I was trying to make where now, because, and again, it, it all feeds into once you can capture that person's attention and, and you provide a great experience and a look and feel of the studio as well as a great program. I mean, come on, you're going to retain a member a lot longer than the average person. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. So um, what about, um, what about Volo fit in terms of uh, maybe you've touched on it a little bit, but do you want to expand? What do you think is the future of um, boutique studios in general? Like who, what's going to make a successful gym? And if they don't implement these things, they will be left behind. Yeah, I think member retention. I mean, I, I don't think boutique studios, especially when you're in pre-sale and you're getting ready to open. I, you know, even through COVID, I did not see really a downtick in the number of members, what we call founding members, right? But a member that that joins with a special price before you open. Typically, you're do, you're starting to sell two, three months before you open. New, new member acquisition in that space was still skyrocketing even during COVID. Um, but so what I think what the, the continuation of the boom of boutique is really having your finger on the pulse of retaining members. Some of the things we've talked about to make sure that they're not just a member, they're still part of your community, but other things I think that we do well and what you'll see other studios do well in terms of boutique for the next five and 10 years is challenges. So some big companies in, in the boutique space do that really well. Now, some have never done it before, but running a challenge by nature just incorporates that embodiment of community in your studio. And by the way, it doesn't mean you're necessarily running a challenge to compete against another member. Most of the time we're running a challenge to compete against yourself. Yes. Um, and so I, and so if you think about member check-ins to further that relationship with the member running challenges throughout the year, and then certainly incorporating technology, those three things are the, the, the key aspects of really continuing to increase member engagement um, and in turn, increase your portfolio in boutique fitness. What I'd like to see at BoloFit, I think we're going to see a lot more owners buy into boutique fitness where they're buying multiple territories. Mm. That's where I think the, the sales space is headed because owners, especially big, big investment groups, recognize that boutique fitness um, to some degree is essentially... Um, I don't want to say I I, I don't want to say uh, we're we're not eligible to be um, in a bad space in an economic downturn, but I will say that we've been battle tested and we're growing. We're still growing um, in terms of at least in my experience. I, I obviously with every single brand and every single business, that's not the case with COVID. But to your point, wellness is at the forefront. And so, you know, since wellness is at the forefront, a lot of investment groups or owners are buying multiple territories, two, three, four, five territories that they want to eventually over the course of two, three years, open up um, a variety, uh, not a variety, but a number of franchises in a given space. So for us, I'd love for our owners to open up multiple territories. I think that's where we're headed. Um, and within boutique fitness, I think it's member check-ins, challenges, and certainly technology. Yeah. Mate, that's awesome. I would 100% agree on the statement that you made about the challenges are a great way to, uh, number one, attract new members, but also number two, 
indoctrinate them into your culture and community right from day one because and i do think the challenges that are best are when it's like okay it's not against anybody else it's not like you're um up to win a prize if you're the winner or anything those certain certain things where you're including prizes when we've done marketing campaigns don't boost the the conversion rates of leads or the conversion rates of sales like it's more so about the person wants it and they just want that defined program that they know. And then if it's six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is, the whole objective is a lot of gym owners might think, oh, well, I don't want to keep somebody just for six weeks. I want to keep them long-term. But yeah, that's the thing that attracts people first to be able to then understand your culture and community. And then because you've delivered such a great service and great experience, it'll be a no-brainer for them to want to stay. That's the whole concept Spot behind stun. it. Yeah. And, and just even if you think about the community feel, I mean, it, it's also an opportunity to bring in people in your community, small businesses for prizes, right? So we bring in vendors. Um, we'll bring in, you know, small business vendors, your local mom and pop shake place or um, a local bakery that, you know, makes organic stuff, whatever it is. So it's a win-win in your community. And again, it goes back to, we're able to do that a lot more in boutique, in my opinion, because it's just more scalable, right? It's yes. just, it's not a, as big of a footprint. You don't need thousands of members to your point early. It's two to 300, 400 members. Um, and so you're able to do all that stuff and that's what makes it fun. Yeah, exactly. And um, I know we've gone a little off topic here, but I think this is still pretty uh, valuable. I've seen some um, gym owners and um, some friends of mine that have gyms as well, where they get their affiliations with the other local businesses, like what you mentioned but they didn't offer them as prizes, which I thought was interesting. They offered um, the things that they included, like might be one free remedial massage or, you know, all of these things, but they put it in like a little goodies starter bag, starter pack. And every single member just for enrolling in the challenge would get that. And that's like free leads for all these other people. Maybe you've got 10 other things, but then it goes the other way because then you go to that same person you're giving um, the the masseuse, they're then referring people back to your gym. So that way you've got another 10 sources for getting leads. And if, if you start a challenge with like 30, 40, 50 people, they've, they've got 30, 40, 50 leads for each of those 10 people that they will go and get a freebie off. So it helps to grow the local market in, in general. Grass, grassroots, right? Grassroots yeah. marketing still is something that we have to teach, especially in boutique fitness, because you're, you're, you're going literally trying to create a community of members. Um, and so, yeah, it goes back to your, you know, that point. I always think about grassroots. How many times has an owner only relying on digital leads? Like, like you can't do it all. I mean, it's impossible. Right. And so uh, you got to go out and, and meet people in the community. And there's no better way than what you just described. Yeah, I think it's really cool and definitely underused nowadays. Mm. I think if you combine it with the digital approach, like you're doing social media ads, you're doing organic posting and you have all that put together, just makes it a really robust approach that hardly anybody, that not many people are doing. So it'll set your head and shoulders above everybody else. And it's it's perceived value. Like for that masseuse to give you a free voucher, basically for them it's just their time but to to the the new challenge person that's like fifty dollars or eighty dollars or a hundred dollars whatever price point might be for free for them so they're like wow i'm getting eight hundred dollars worth of free stuff 
plus the challenge, plus the like, man, come on, it's a no brainer. Let's do it. Perceive value. You're exactly right. And Spot sales on. will sales will be easier as well because you're you're peppering in all those freebies. It's not like I win this stuff if I win. It's like I get it on day one for signing up. It's it, it's funny. I keep referring to the first half of my career, second half of my career, second half of my career. I think about leads in buckets, whereas and because you're spot on. There's the digital bucket, right? There's the organic social bucket. What are you doing on an organic standpoint to attract leads? Posting you know, whatever, getting back, DMing people back. Um, there's the grassroots bucket. There's the call drive. Call drives, do we do call drives? Do we spend 20 minutes a day calling? Though that you need to think in terms of those buckets. And then and it's a lot easier to see where you're succeeding and where you're not. And how do, you, how do you succeed in those other buckets? Whereas the first half of my career, I just thought leads were leads and they magically appear. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is not the case. Exactly. And um, uh we've spoken about this on a couple of episodes, but uh, it's good for a refresh. You just reminded me is um, the buyer's journey. So it depends mm. where the lead is on that buyer's journey. Are they uh, like a referral or a website inquiry? They are like your two best types of leads you can oh, get because they're, act they're actively coming to see you. So they're at what we would call the last stage of decision stage. They're like, I just need to make a decision of like, yes or no, I'm going to do this. And like, basically you just don't, don't mess it up. Don't be an idiot. Like be yep. nice to them <laughs> and you can yeah. sign it up. You'll be almost like, a, uh, you're just order taking at this stage because they know basically what they want. You just got to like give them the things. And then there's other people that is like, might be in the middle of like, cool, I've got a problem, but I don't know how I'm going to solve it. And then the other type of people is like, yeah, I've got a problem, but I don't even really want to start solving it yet. Oh. You know, and so you've got exactly to identify right. where they're at in that journey as well. So I think that's that you got your buckets, and then you can identify like which bucket, where would most of these people fall under? Yeah, Simon Simon Sinek did a YouTube TED Talk, a TED Talk on YouTube that's very famous. It's been around for a couple of decades now, but he talks about that early adapters, right? Like uh, yeah. if you're not getting referrals from an early adapter, someone that's like they saw an ad, they immediately bought. Right, like that's the person you ask for a referral from. They are your hottest person right now. And then as you move on in those different stages, you get to describe to what you were describing, which is a lot more difficult to get them to, to make a purchase at that point. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, Corey, is there anything else you want to share, mate, before we wrap this up? Because we've covered uh, a lot of the stuff about the client onboarding, sales experience, uh, the objection handling, which was I'll do a quick recap. Um, the three parts, which is empathy, isolate, then give the solution. Um, and then you've talked about the four pillars of VoloFit, what you guys are all about, which is endurance, power, strength, agility. Um, is there anything else you want to add for or people listening in? Yeah, I would just say, be very mindful of a person's why, like we talked about before. It's why that that quote to me is so powerful. When you think about people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. To, to me, it's never about buying something from me based on what I have. If you think about what I have as a, let's say a studio owner or a gym owner, let's be honest. I, I say this all the time, but I have what, what everyone else has. I have weights. I have, you know, a staff when you walk in, there's probably some music playing. That's not what makes it special. So I always urge people to get someone to buy something from you, not based on what you have, 
but based on the fact that they believe in what you believe in. And it goes back to what a great brand does differently. They believe and are passionate about their product. Therefore, they charge a premium price. What have, I mean, how profound was that, Jimmy? Is that a great way to end the podcast? Mate, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And for, uh, if, for people, I don't know if this is something that you want to do, but if people want to connect with you, can they reach you somewhere like some socials, emails? Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, at, at Corey Fit, K-O-R-Y-F-I-T, pretty simple. DM me. I got all my links on there. Um, and he's in his suit. On there. He's in his suit, what? guys. I, mean, I, I am in my suit. <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. I love it. So what's that? At Corey Fit. And Corey is K-O-R-Y-F-I-T. All one word yep. on Instagram. All one word. You awesome. It. Corey, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Um, and it's good to connect and have a good chat. I'd love to get you on again sometime soon. You got it, buddy. Thank you, my Thanks, Aussie mate. friend now. I appreciate you. <laughs>